0: Listening to The Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: We are continuing our conversations in the Set Apart to Serve series today. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu.
1: Live Uncommon.
0: Joining us today... The Reverend Joshua Hayes, he's at St. John Lutheran Church in Palmer, Kansas. He's also served as editor for Johann Gerhard's Theological Commonplaces from Concordia Publishing House and a contributing translator to the American edition of Luther's Works. Pastor Hayes, welcome to The Coffee Hour.
2: Thank you. Happy to be here.
0: And I should add to that also a teacher at your uh, church's association school. That's Lynn
2: Lutheran School. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, our our congregation has a school-like partnership uh, with uh, area congregation and up. Uh, I teach their confirmation and lead chapel and so forth. So pastor, a translator an editor <laughs> teacher
0: just does a few things. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about becoming a pastor. When did you start thinking about this vocation of pastor? When did you start thinking about that?
2: I, well, I think I started thinking about it negatively as a small child. <laughs> <It's just> the, <laughs> the pastor up there, I'm I'm uh, born and baptized and raised in the Missouri Synod. And uh, I, I, You know, we went to church every Sunday, and I saw the pastor, and I saw him getting up in front of everybody. And I, as they got a little older, you know, kind of intuited that he also is responsible for taking care of all these people, and it just seemed like a terribly immense undertaking. And I I don't know how old I was, maybe ten or so, and someone I don't even remember who asked, you know, maybe you would think about being a pastor someday. And I said, no way, not going to happen. (laughs) That's when I started thinking about it. Negatively. But then, you know, once you get into high school, you start thinking, well, what what is going to happen to me and the rest of my life? And I I didn't really have a lot of ideas about what I wanted to do. And I started thinking about being a pastor. And I said, you know, I'll just sort of investigate it. And if the more I kind of find out about it, the, the more I don't want to do it, then I won't do it. But with, you know, talking with my pastor, my pastor's encouragement, especially my youth pastor, I started to learn more and more about being a pastor and he encouraged me and I couldn't find any reason to say no. And now I can't imagine doing anything else. So don't, you know, hold yourself to what you say when you're 10 years old.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is amazing how the Holy Spirit works, even on kids who are like, absolutely, no, I will never do that. And then, yeah. You yeah. are as an adult through the encouragement of people and and, and the Holy Spirit working on you. And, and now you're serving in this vocation as pastor. What did that path look like for you once you determined that this was uh, what you were going to be doing? What did that path look like for you for, in, in pastoral formation?
2: Yeah. So because I did start thinking about it about midway through high school, again, with my pastor's encouragement, and I think that's probably a theme you've heard from. A lot of pastors and church workers that they were encouraged by their pastor or, or school teacher or something to that effect. I then realized that if this was the way I was going, then I needed to go to a, a pre seminary program. So, um, I visited, I do remember the St. Louis Seminary had a, I, I know they still have it, I can't remember what it's called, but they had a like a visitation day for potential future church workers and pastors. And I, I went to that in the summer and that was a good time to meet other, other kids, my age that were thinking about doing the same thing. And that kind of got me thinking about going to one of our synodical schools. And I was living in Southeast Houston at the time. And I wanted to go to a, I mean, this was kind of silly, but I, I kind of looked at the map and I thought, well, Chicago has got a different climate. So I'll, I'll try it out. So I I went and I visited and I had just a fantastic visit. The students were praying cop out of the hymnal. I met the pre-sem director. He was fantastic. Also a pastor who was just very encouraging and helpful. And it ended up by the end of my senior year, I, Concordia River Forest, now Chicago, was the only school I even applied to for college. And I went into the pre-seminary program there. And from there, I went to uh, St. Louis Seminary, which was also conveniently, is conveniently located next to Washington University in St. Louis,
0: mm-hmm.
2: where I also did grad school in Greek and Latin Classics. So I kind of, I started actually at Wash U and studied Greek and Latin some more, if more even than I had done in undergrad and pre-sem. And then did some of that and then started overlapping at the St. Louis Seminary and finished up with God's help, both, both of the degrees. And that, I mean, that really is my route for, for becoming a pastor. Along the way at Berger's Forest, I met my wife and she, I remember her saying something to the effect of, you know, I've just not, I never really saw myself becoming a pastor's wife. And I said, "Well, that's okay because I never really saw myself becoming a pastor, so we'll figure it <laughs> out together." <laughs> but you know, to anybody, to any young man that's thinking about it, that's listening, it is a it is a challenge. As I was correct as a ten year old in ascertaining, but it is such a joy and a blessing, and and it's a it's a very good life. It's a good life to have your family life revolve around the life of the church. The church that I serve is. 50 feet from my house and my children their whole lives revolve around the church and it's such a it, it's a healthy family christian way to to have a to serve the church and, and raise a family
0: tell me a little bit more about learning about languages did that start when you were at concordia university chicago and then you came to wash you here in st louis
2: yeah actually i i'm a little bit odd i suppose i i was terribly interested in Latin even in high school. I don't I've maybe I watched too many, you know, like Spartacus movies or something, but I was I just wanted to start learning Latin. So I went to Barnes and Noble um and I got a Latin textbook and I just started doing it in the summer I had broken my jaw mountain biking mm. with my pastor. So that's not his fault. I so I had my jaw wired shut all summer. I I had nothing really enjoyable to do that I thought. I, I mean, I couldn't eat food hardly, and so I I did hang out with my friends a lot, you know, do and do things. But I I just learned some Latin, so that got me started, and then I really you know got going seriously once I got to River Forest and to to Greek and Latin and Hebrew, and then more on top of that. So tell us a little bit more
0: about what, it, what your studies at Washington University here in St. Louis. Um, that and and then you, you mentioned that's when you started going to seminary as well while you were at Washington University. Yeah,
2: all? yeah. Because I graduated my BA from River Forest in December, we moved my wife and I to St. Louis, and I started at WashU that January. Um, and I so I didn't start seminary until that mm-hmm. next. August, September, whenever it is in the fall, you can't really start seminary in the middle of the year. It doesn't really work out. So, at Washu, I was learning more Greek and more Latin, reading. Outs, uh, you know, when you're studying when you're in pre sem, you're learning Greek to read the New Testament, and that's mostly what you do is just read the New Testament, which obviously is the point. However, reading more broadly in any language that you're trying to learn gives you a lot helps you learn a lot more and have a lot more context so i wanted to do that so you know now i'm reading you know plato and aristophanes and you know these greek philosophers and playwrights and likewise reading in latin not just church Fathers and so forth, but also Romans like Cicero and some of these Libby historians and getting a, a what I wanted was a broad um, understanding of the ancient world that our Lord came into, and I also recognized from starting to read the Lutheran confessions that these men, martin Luther and philip melanchthon and 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 the reformers, they were all trained in this classical education, or if they hadn't been trained it themselves, they they wished they had and they were preparing their students that way. And I thought, if I really want to understand the ancient world that Jesus was born into, and I want to understand our Lutheran confessions that were written under this classical mindset, I just got to learn this. So that's kind of what I was about. And I've been so blessed and so glad that I did it.
1: That sounds like a very logical reason to want to learn all of these things about the ancient world. If the if the reformers did, then why not you as well? That that's that's a very good reason to do that. How does that how does all of that knowledge, all of the, the languages and the knowledge about the ancient world, how does that help you now in your vocation as a pastor, serving serving the people that that are here and now?
2: Yeah, well, it helps, I mean, primarily in everything that the goal is to read. And apply the Bible uh, to, to 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 know the scriptures and as best as I possibly can, and apply them and speak them to as many people as I possibly can. <laughs> so being able to explain. I mean, we just got had Christmas, right? So, in the days of Caesar Augustus, a decree went all out that all the world should be taxed. Right there, you're get you're in the middle of Roman history and, and who was Caesar Augustus and how did it? So what was the world like? It helps to answer those questions. Uh, It frankly, it just helps to understand what is significant and what is maybe not so significant when you're reading Greek and Hebrew. Likewise, although I have to admit my Hebrew is not as good as my Greek language. (laughs) So it helps in Bible class, preaching, answering questions. It also unlock, it unlocks a library of of information Um, to, to learn a foreign language means you now have another tool in your tool belt to open up. Uh, I, you know, and with the internet now, I can read kind of any book that was written, any sermons by anyone, Bible commentaries that have been written in Latin or Greek, since the early church. So I've got English commentaries. I've got Latin ones, Greek ones. It just gives you a lot more access to things.
0: We're going to talk more about those opportunities that have uh, been opened up to you by learning languages in just a moment. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to KFUO.org slash store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to KFUO.org slash store. Welcome back to the coffee hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golseth.
0: We're continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Today our guest is the Reverend Joshua Hayes, he's pastor at St. John Lutheran Church in Palmer, Kansas. He's also served as editor of Johann Gerhard's Theological Commonplaces from Concordia Publishing House and a contributing translator to the American edition of Luther's works pastor Hayes studying languages obviously sounds like a passion of yours and has has opened up some doors for you it it serves you well as a pastor in the the congregation you get to serve the ways you get to teach in your association school uh, it's also opened up some doors to editing and translating as well tell us a little bit about that the opportunity to do some editing of theological works
2: yeah so i about 14 years ago when i was still in seminary i was asked to assist with the editing and translating and editing and publication of Johann Gerhard's theological commonplaces. So to kind of place him, if we have Martin Luther, we have the next generation. If you're really good, you might know the name Martin Chemnitz, sometimes called the second Martin. Okay. He's, he's around when our Lutheran confessions are being. Finalized in terms of the Book of Concord being printed in 1580. After him, the third in line it, it, among our great theologians is Johann Gerhard. And he wrote all kinds of things. He wrote sermons, he wrote sermons for lay people, he wrote sermons to help pastors preparing to preach. He wrote devotional materials. He wrote prayers, which have been very popular and still are among laity. He also wrote theological disputations for theology students, those preparing to become preachers. And that's what this work is, the theological commonplaces covering all the major teachings of the Bible. So I was at it. So you can imagine it's a rather large work. And I was asked to help assist with the editing of that and the translating of it for publication because it's really it's so it's so large it's really more than a one man job, and that's been a blessing because as I work it you know it's forced me to keep learning, keep growing, and then you know as I pull things out of there I share them in Bible class or sermons or apply them. And then, likewise, with Luther's works, so I've been asked to translate a few things, and that's always uh, a very enjoyable opportunity. And there, there is just so much that we'll we'll never translate at all, but there, there's always work being done to to transmit the 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 knowledge and the and the teaching of, of the Lutheran Church from one generation to another from one culture to another you know what we're, i'm talking about english translation and then we can get into work that other people do and translating things into other languages there's just there's always some somebody needs to translate something there's this always is- a need for that <laughs>
1: Yes, there is. For you, what, is that, what does that mean for your life as a pastor? What does pastoral work look like for you day-to-day, taking care of your congregation and teaching and maybe throwing some translating in there as well? What does that look like for you as in a day-to-day work as a pastor?
2: Well, the translating stuff for CPH and so forth usually means getting up early on Saturday morning and working on it or something to that effect. One of the things I really enjoy about being a pastor is Really, no two days are the same. There are, I, I could speak in generalities. Um, there, are, there are some duties that are timed and regular. So, for example, teaching confirmation class at our Lutheran school in the morning. So I know that, and that's a, just a, a joy. I just, that's one of my favorite things. There are, you know, meetings and and these sort of things that happen in the evening of course there's the the pattern of sunday worship and midweek services and these sorts of things but then as you're kind of working in between all those things you have the the freedom to uh, to kind of order things the way they need to be for preparation sermon writing sermon study visitation of the sick and the shut-in and so no two days are exactly the same we just had Pretty decent snow here in Kansas, and so I've gotten a lot of Lent worship planning done uh, yesterday as we were just snowed in, and there was no school, and that and and meetings that I had scheduled and, and visits had you know got canceled. So I, okay, you d- I switched from the one thing to the other. I'm never stuck inside too long. I'm never, oh, you know, stuck away too long. generally.
0: What are ways that you and your congregation have been encouraging youth to consider serving as church workers in the future?
2: Yeah, so the number one way is uh, in my confirmation classes, and I also have uh, midweek confirmation classes for a few of our students that come from a little farther away and don't attend our Lutheran school, is identifying and encouraging young men To become pastors, to think about it, you know, to be like me when I was a kid, and have someone say, "Have you ever thought about this?" And they used to say, "No," and I said, "Well, that's okay. I did too." You know, that's (laughs) just you just planting a little seed, right? And then the same thing with the great need we have for Lutheran teachers and uh, musicians in the church. We we really have been focusing a lot on uh, encouraging uh, the next generation of, of musicians to arise. You know, your, your organist cannot be on that bench forever, any more than the pastor can be in the pulpit forever. So we've always got to be building up the next generation. So <clears throat> just being intentional about telling kids, you should think about being a pastor someday. I, I even like, sometimes I write it on their paper, you know, when I give them back a test or something like this answer was so great. You should think about, I hope you think about being a pastor someday, you know, uh, I hope I'm not obnoxious about it, but I, I just realized from my own experience and from what Dr. Bannock has, you know, his research has shared the importance of, of the pastor encouraging people to think about it. And that's something I try to be intentional about now. But do you write it in Latin nah. paper? <laughs> we well, well, could, but yeah, I don't know that there, it would help them. Maybe I'm maybe that would actually, it's kind of a cool idea.
1: <laughs> <laughs> if you can figure this out well, what this says, you definitely should think about being a pastor. Right. That's right. Extra credit points. Yeah. Yeah. What why is it important to you as a pastor, <clears throat> especially as a knowing that you were you were that kid that didn't think that it was going to be for you, why is it important for you to be encouraging the young people in your congregation to consider church work?
2: Because if I don't do it, who else has got to do it? Um perhaps they're perhaps someone else will, perhaps their parents might. But I just think that when it comes from the pastor, it really carries a lot of weight. And I think everyone pretty much agrees about that. So, I mean, that's, that's why it's important. I think that if, if I had just been left to myself, I probably would not have become a pastor because I think there's, call it humility, call it fear. I don't know what you want to call it, but there's, I think, kind of a a reaction of like, well, I can't do that. I'm not good enough for that. I'm too much of a sinner for that. Of course, all of these things in some sense are true. As St. Paul even says, "Who who is sufficient for this? But it's God who makes us sufficient. So encouraging young men and saying, no, you... No, you're right. You can't do it. But guess what? You have the Holy Spirit and the risen Lord Jesus, and I'm asking you to think about it. So that's why I think I, I don't think people just too I don't think too many people just naturally are, oh, I'm totally gonna do that and it's gonna be great. I think they need that encouragement.
0: If a young person says they're considering church work, uh what, what would be the next step that you would take?
2: Talk to your pastor. Yeah. Or if it's like being a, a teacher or something, talk to, you know, your favorite Lutheran teacher or, or school principal, ask them what they love most about their job. Ask them what's hard about their job. Ask them how, what they did, you know, how did they get to where they are? What schools did they go to? If specifically about pastoral ministry, if you're a young man and you're thinking about it, go visit The seminaries have visit days and programs set aside for you. You'll meet other people that are like-minded and just as excited and nervous about it as you and study those languages. They're important. Not everybody in the universe has to be the greatest Hebrew scholar, my professor used to say, but you need to learn it. You need to understand it so that you can read and apply the Bible correctly so you don't have to become the best ever, but you can learn something. I'm, I'm a very much growth mindset person. I, I never accept from my kids, I can't do this. I always say, you can't do it yet, but you could, everybody can get better at anything if they want to.
0: Our guest today, the Reverend Joshua Hayes, pastor of St. John Lutheran Church in Palmer, Kansas, also editor of Johann Gerhard's Theological Commonplaces from Concordia Publishing House and a contributing translator to the American edition of Luther's works. Pastor Hayes, thanks for being our guest on The Coffee Hour. My pleasure. God bless. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash sas. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates.
1: I'm Sarah Golsa.